Hello, and welcome to the first podcast of We Talk Bible. This is a project we've been talking about for a while and decided we would start it out by reading the book of Mark. We hope to learn a lot as we read through the Bible together and hope you do as well. If you subscribe, don't forget to rate us. And now for our first podcast and the beginning of Mark. Yeah. So, how do you want to structure this? How do you want to do this? Start. We're going to start reading it. We're going to start reading Mark one. So you're just doing classic Sunday school. I don't know. I don't know what you call it. Let's just start reading the book. Um, you saw my note today about the coverage. Yeah, we go up through three six. That's right. fine. We can All do that. It's just six more verses. That's okay. That's based on that thing you sent me to start I with. I don't think we'll get that far anyway. I think we're going to be stuck on. <laughs> I think we're going to be mired down in the first chapter anyway. I thought we'd read it and then talk about it or so. I don't know what you want to do. <clears throat> no, you're supposed to listen to it beforehand. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you that link. I told you what to do. I've used it in the website. All right. That well, you sent me to read it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to introduce who we are as part of this or do you want to just start talking? And what kind of music intro should we have, if any? Something biblical, I guess. I midis, midis of Just I Am and things like that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ Superstar. Just the soundtrack. Of Jesus. <laughs> midis of Jesus Christ Superstar. God that would God. be good. I like that. It would be good. It would be good. That actually would be excellent. Da, da, da. I bet that exists. So. I'm sure it does. How could it not? Yeah, that's funny. I don't know. Let's cross that bridge later. Let's just get started reading. So do you want to read first? You want me to read first? You start it. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah, see, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now, John was clothed with camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I am is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Um, okay, so, um, so what's your take on John the Baptist? What do you think about? Okay, so, you know, I told you, you know, we've been doing that Bible project yeah. stuff. Yeah. And one of the things that they talk about in their whole series about how to, um, how to read the Bible is they talk about the fact that this descriptive narrative is not really a big forte back in these days. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when descriptors are thrown in, mm -hmm. there's probably a reason for why those yeah. descriptors are thrown in. Right. Right. So I, it's funny cause I'd never really thought about this that much before, although I guess it always stuck to me, but 
reading this, it does make me wonder, like, why they go into this whole part about him having wearing clothes of camel's hair and leather yeah. belt, and why does he eat locust and wild honey, and mm -hmm. um, that kind of makes me curious, like, why, mm -hmm. why, why, why even, in, why include that? Yeah, like, what's the point of that? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I always wanted. I there, I want to say, like as opposed to what, like what would have been like the other, the people that are coming out to see him, like what are they wearing or what, you know what I'm saying? Like how's this? Right. The Delta? right. Why? Yeah. Why is this? Obviously it's unique. Otherwise you yeah. wouldn't mention it. So yeah, yeah. it's kind of, I thought that was, I, I just find that kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, because as a kid, <laughs> I remember as a kid, I was reading that and thinking, this guy's crazy, you know, like sure, he, must, he must look kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, but, so I don't know. Well, and it's so, um, so I think about, um, and this is, golly, I'm, I'm, I was like, in the first thing I was like trying to say, we should really try to concentrate on on just reading this book and not bringing in other stuff, but I'm going to go ahead and break that right off the bat. When you read Luke, you know, and you get like that, that John the Baptist's parents, you know, that his dad was a mucky muck rabbi, you know, that he was in Luke, you get that, um, you know, he's the, I forget what he was doing, but um, you know, where he loses his voice, he's going in and doing some kind of synagogue chore. Right. And, um, but anyway, he has position, you know, he's part of the synagogue hierarchy, right? Um, his dad was. So John the Baptist presumably wouldn't have been an anonymous figure. He's not just like, you know, here you get, you know, he's the rabbi's kid. So right. he, right. you know, people would have known him, right? I mean, he would have been, um, notable, um, and, and what I now when I, so then when I read it in Mark, you know, here he appears in the wilderness um, and the people come out to see him. And it just makes me think about like, you know, the choice. And again, what you're talking about, the clothing that he's wearing, and the way that he eats, you know, maybe we're supposed to read that, you know, this is, this is as opposed to the other rabbis right you know maybe that could be yeah maybe well to the robes right. maybe as opposed to eating the offering the sacrifice offerings which they did um in some cases um you know, well and maybe this fits into the whole thing back in isaiah i mean i think what's interesting is he says you know in, in verse four he says john the baptizer appeared in the wilderness for coming a baptism obviously based off what isaiah had said right the voice of one crying out in the wilderness to prepare the way of the lord and i think it's interesting because whoever mark's audience is that he's talking to and that's something yeah. i'm not sure i quite understand yeah but right. whoever the audience is that he's talking to obviously they don't know who john the baptizer is right like he doesn't go into John's backstory. Right. We don't have all that stuff. Yeah. Um, we're just referring to him as John the baptizer. John the and baptizer. So right. it makes me assume that whoever he's writing this to, those people probably know who John is. That's right. They That's probably right. heard That's that story. Right. They probably know that. Yeah. Um, well, he would have and, been... and what he's doing here is just connecting it back to Isaiah. Yes. Proclaiming that this is going to happen. You're right. right. 
they absolutely would have known who he was, right? Because, I mean, he's the one who, you know, he gets beheaded and he, um, uh, you know, he, he was of, um, he was sort of a, to say, you know, he was kept around by the, by the leaders. I mean, he was, you know, yeah, he was a person of, of fame. So yeah, you're right. They would have known of him. Yep. 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 I think that's right. Um, okay. Here's something from this guy, this Presbyterian Dibert. I was reading from the first one. How important it is then to recognize that Mark begins his story by anchoring the glad tidings of Jesus Christ in the prophetic tradition of Isaiah. Matthew, Gospel Matthew, Gospel according to Matthew, begins by locating Jesus within a particular genealogy. Luke begins by locating Jesus within a particular historical reign. But Mark begins by locating Jesus within a particular Hebrew prophet, Isaiah. This Gospel with relatively the fewest references to the Hebrew scripture launches itself with a quote from the most beloved of Isaiah's, of Israel's prophets. Um, so I thought that was kind of a neat contrast, you know, to think about how does Luke start off telling his story and how does Matthew start off telling his story. But, but Mark goes straight to the anchoring it in the context of Isaiah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Well, and I think, again, I think, that probably points to as well to the audience he's talking to. Right. I, yeah. I assume his audience is a Jewish audience. And so, so, so what he's saying to them essentially is like this, this comes directly from Isaiah. Are you familiar? Do you know about the great fire of Rome under Nero? Have you ever heard of that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's one of the thoughts that where this book comes from is that, so there's this Nero third of Rome in the year, I think it's 64, of uh, you know, so that's 64 years in the in the Christian era, in the in the since Jesus's birth, roughly. Uh, but in any event, a third of Rome was destroyed by fire, and there's all kinds of this is like really well documented in in um, history. So there's some thought that, and and one of the, the stories around the Great Fire of of Rome is that the deal was is that was that it was uh, intentionally set uh, Nero had it set in a cleared space for a new um, palace to be built. And, um, and then when it went much worse than what, you know, as they failed to control it correctly and that sort of thing is that he blamed it on the Christians, the Christians at this point, by this point were you know, this minority sect of Judaism. Um, but they had, and, you know, they were, um, we hadn't really ramped up the persecutions and that sort of thing, but this is like the start of it. And so, so we get to the start of Christians fleeing Rome into the countryside. And one of the thoughts about the Gospel of Mark, the reason why it comes about, is to give some scroll, you know, something to work with. It's a, it's a text to sort of like rally the troops, right. you know? Sure. Or, or to help them, you know, they were afraid that they were going to be exterminated, that this is the, these were the end times, you know, this was the, the, right. the, the great day of judgment would not pass before the end of this generation. And that this fire was the start and us being, you know, pushed out of the city and being persecuted, the start of these persecutions, that's the start. And that's why, you know, that the whole movement was going to be lost. It was just going to be exterminated. Right. And so we had to document it, you know? And, well, that, uh, would, that would fit too, too but um, historically when groups are forced underground, 
Yeah. Right. They tend to write documents like this and pass it along. And, and sure. I know that I know from the little bit I've read about Mark so far that um, there are more than one copy out there, which would sort of imply that this was being written and then rewritten by somebody and then rewritten by somebody. And yeah, which is often how underground groups would pass things like this along. So that that all would make sense. Yeah. Um, Well, and that would make sense too, that the audience they're talking to is that, you know, it's that Jewish group of people that's having to go underground and you're trying to still build that amongst other Jews. And that would explain why you would start with Isaiah, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think it, it feels right. You know, something like that feels right. That's what it, you know. And it seems like the beginning of the good news, it seems like that's a reference to something too, but I can't remember. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah. Okay, do you want to move on to the next? Yeah, absolutely. Next Let's at least get Jesus. Let's at least get Jesus on the scene here. Why don't you do the next little bit? Okay. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. A voice came from heaven: "You are my Son, the Beloved, with whom, with you, I am well pleased." Yeah, why don't you read? Why don't you read like through fifteen? Okay. And the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts. And the angels waited on him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, "The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news." So. Poor John. Uh, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, he he does his job, right? Yeah, tough path. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's going to get a lot worse, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, that was one thing. Like, I, the whole relationship of John and Jesus, that's, that's something I would, you know, like people talk about, oh, if there's, you know, if I get a chance to God, I've got all these questions. I don't have any questions about, like, you know, I mean, I, I guess I do, but it, I mean, it, I don't have this rush to like want to ask like, why do good things happen to bad people or stuff like that. But I would like to know more about like, what's the deal with Jesus and, and John? You know, like, what was that relationship like? I'd just like to see like well, a you, you wouldn't, like, you'd want to ask Jesus, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I or John. Like to, or John, oh, well, hey. <laughs> I just mostly want to see like a, you know, like I want to see a film strip of it, you know, like I want to see <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> you know, I guess it's so interesting. Like a 30 for 30. Yes, like a th- yeah. exactly. I want a 30 for 30. That's exactly what I want. That's very, that's very good. Yeah, I want a 30 for 30 on John the Baptist and Jesus. Yeah. So there's some interesting things here, I think. Um one is this reference to the spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. often God is referred to in like the spirit uh, right at the beginning of Genesis, right? The spirit was hovering around the world after it was created. I mean, there's um, it's, it's an interesting term. Mm-hmm. It's used throughout the old Testament often 
gods referred to in um, attributes rather than as a being, right? Like spirit, yeah. word, uh, different things like that. Um, so I think that's just kind of interesting mm-hmm. um, that because you know there's the spirit descending like a dove and then also the spirit is the same thing that drives him out into the wilderness yeah, yeah. so that's kind of interesting yeah. um and right away we've got satan mm-hmm. <laughs> which i find which i find interesting too yeah yeah he's like um, right there yeah yeah 13 verses in we get him yeah that's right yeah what do you think? Um, you know, when you talk about the spirit, I got what you're saying. It, it kind of got me thinking of something different, which is that I always think of, of um, I always kind of think of the spirit as being everywhere. But this is more like, you know, if the spirit can descend Right. on to him that means the spirit descended from somewhere else you know like at least in our language the way that we represent it that means that there are to some degree limits on what the spirit is there's like dimension to it you know um as opposed to sort of like everything being spirit everything being enveloped in spirit i mean if or the, there is no dimension but this is just a way for us humans to understand it understand it yeah yeah exactly yeah uh, that's probably where I would tend to go more is that this is just a way for us to sort of, I like that. Explanation. You know, it's like we humanize animals all the time. Right. It's like, right. You know, it's, just, it's just a way for us to better understand like what's going on that, um, you know, yeah. he was, he was told like to go into the wilderness, obviously. So, yeah. I don't know. It's interesting to me that, like yeah you're right it's like we're 15 verses in and we've had a lot happen yeah oh yeah in yeah. a very short amount of time yeah, right? it's really fast. we've been introduced to john jesus mm-hmm. has been baptized god has come down and blessed him sent mm-hmm. him into the desert john's now been arrested yeah and jesus is now starting to preach yeah right yeah 15 verses in you know we've got yeah that's exactly right that's a lot a lot of movement. We're blasting through all that early stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. skipped. First, we've skipped all the all the you know all the pre stuff. We just jumped straight to the preaching. Uh, let's get to the preaching. So. And it does make me start. think too about like again, what you're talking about. These people would have known it. It's interesting to think like maybe again because of Mark's presumed audience you know, in the here and now of when this was written, you know, he didn't need to go and tell right. the birth story, you know, right. who John and Mary were, how do they relate to the synagogue? Right. But, you know, maybe they all knew that, you know, and they knew, oh yeah, that's Mary's boy. And, you know, that's the carpenter's son, you know, like in one of the, right. in one, I can't remember which gospel it is, but one of them, the people are saying, isn't that the carpenter's son? Right. You know, yeah. After he preaches and stuff like that. And so like, they all know that backstory and it does kind of make you think that like, maybe that's what, like once this, this movement started to, to evangelize beyond the eyewitnesses, then Luke and Matthew, the authors of Luke and Matthew 
felt the need to to start to collect autobiography. More of know? a structure, right? Yeah, because yeah, they don't know right. who, you know, they've heard of this guy, Jesus, but they don't know any of this well, stuff. And maybe know? their audiences are different, right? I mean, if you're, yeah. if you're right, yeah. Right. It's I think, uh, you know what it kind of makes me think of? It makes me think of, um, have you ever read the Harry Potter books? No. So the books just get longer and longer. And by the fourth book, it's like ridiculously long. And a lot of yeah. the reason why it's so long is because she's constantly having to retell yeah, right. The whole history of everything all the time. And she said sure. after the fourth book, she's like, yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. Like, yeah. I'm, not, I'm just going to assume going forward that you know the backstory. Yeah, yeah. Right. And that's kind of what this makes me think about. It's like he just assumes we know the backstory and we're just going to get right into it. Yeah, right. He's connected it back to the Old Testament. Yes, this was proclaimed. This is what was going to happen. This you know is, John. Right. John was the guy called. He you baptized know. Jesus. There's the connection. That's an important connection. Jesus goes out into the wilderness. Now he's back and he's ready to rock. You know, and, yeah. and we're just right. we're gonna go from here. And it you know, we jump pretty quickly into like you know, going forward, like action. <laughs> oh yeah. Now yeah, I mean we're gonna have them um we are going to, I mean, this is basically where we're going to end up stopping, but for today, but I mean, very quickly, we're going to get, you know, they started to plot to kill him, you know, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Almost, yeah. almost initially. And we're going to get the, the Oh yeah. We're know, very quickly. We're going to be introduced to the good guys and the bad guys. Yeah, yeah that's right. right. That's right. And one thing yeah. about Mark is there's definitely, there's definitely good guys and bad guys. Somebody, I don't remember if this was a Bible project thing or if this is something that we were just talking about in church recently. I don't remember Sunday school recently, but there's definitely this idea of you've got the good guys, the bad guys and the crowd, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? There's this mass of people always around. Yeah. You've got a more focused group of good guys and bad guys. Yeah. Right. And somebody was pointing out, maybe this is just something I was reading about Mark. I've, read so much recently i don't remember what's where or what but mm -hmm. maybe it was just something i heard somebody else talking about that maybe one of the big overarching themes of mark is who are you going to be yeah are, right are you gonna just be in the crowd saying oh wow this is amazing but then not really following up on it mm -hmm. are you gonna be one of the pharisees one of the bad guys mm -hmm. and saying no this is all blasphemy or are you going to be one of the good guys who really falls in line and follows? I don't know. It's yeah. I thought that was an interesting, I like that mm -hmm. vision. I think that's good. I've been thinking about that when I was reading through Mark, I was thinking about that the whole time. Like it's, I can sort of, so there is this constant crowd there all the time. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think repent means? Oh my gosh. That's a deep one. Um, mm -hmm. And do you think you've ever repented? We just had this discussion recently for some reason. I just had a discussion about repent and now I don't even remember what we talked about. Um, repent would be to me, it's like you've done something that you feel like was wrong and you're asking for forgiveness for that, right? Mm -hmm. Isn't that how you think of it? Mm -hmm. I think so. I don't think it's much more complicated than that. You know, you I can get, I don't think so either. It, you know, it, there, there are. The prodigal like, son, for instance, the prodigal son, he, he comes home. 
-hmm. right? We don't even see him. Uh, I mean, he says, you know, I don't remember what he says to his dad, but I mean, he makes the choice to come home. He makes yeah. the choice to live up to the fact that he made a mistake. Leave his own right? old life. Yeah. And he's willing to take the consequences, whatever they are. Maybe his dad will <laughs> slap him in the face. Maybe his dad will give him a job. Right. Maybe he won't. He doesn't know. Right. But he's come home with his tail between his legs mm-hmm. and admitting that I made a mistake. Right. Yeah. So to me, that's kind of a classic that's what I would think of as kind of the classic story of repentance, right? Mm-hmm. That you, you realize you made a mistake and you're willing to, to own up to that. Okay. And so what do you think? Um, That's a deep question. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, when you think about, um, I mean, these are, these are Jesus's, you know, according to this author, this is Jesus' first words that we're supposed to pay attention to, right? The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent. That's the first, like, directive statement, right? right. Is repent and believe in the good news. So what do you think? So when you see that, the good news, you know, that gets used so much. But what, what does that mean to you? Again, I think in this context, I think it relates back to a very particular verse in the Old Testament, but I can't remember which one now off the top of my head. But I think that relates back to something in the Old Testament. Um, maybe it's Isaiah or somebody like that. I, I should know. Look that up right now. I've read this Keep and going. I can't remember. But um, the repent part, I think it's really interesting, right? Because it's what are we repenting for? Yeah, I mean, he's just shown up. So what have we done that's that we need to repent for? Yeah. Um, now, if you go, if if we relate this back to Isaiah again, I'm pretty sure it's Isaiah's the one that said, "You guys brought this on yourselves," right? Talking mm-hmm. about the Israelites, like you guys brought you're in you're enslaved because of your own choices to move away from God, to move away from what he taught you to do, to move away from everything you're supposed to be doing. That's why you're enslaved. Yeah. God hasn't forgotten you, but he will send this person. Let me give you the good news. If I remember that is Isaiah, let me give you the good news. There will be this guy that comes Yeah, and he will, he will change everything. And so if you're connecting this back to Isaiah and you're having him, enter Galilee and say repent my guess is that's what the repent is about it's like that's that's the you guys have strayed down the wrong path now it's time to let's move forward right we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna agree that with choices we've made are wrong Mm -hmm. and then we're gonna we're gonna move forward from here right do you take it though as and by the way this isn't I mean these are honest questions I'm just no, I don't. Well, and that's just my that's yeah, just I know my it. take I mean, on that's it. That's all I'm asking. I'm not asking. I've been reading too. So. Yeah, exactly. I, so, do you find though, if do you see a sort of like when Jesus says that, do you read it in a like a personal way in context of your own life, or do you think? I mean, it was just meant for a you know, like kind of in a corporate sense of that of that group of people, you know, like this was well, all. I think about what's, I think what's so powerful about Jesus in particular and his word mm-hmm. is that 
everything he was saying, he was easily targeting to a specific audience, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Because he was dealing with the specific audience at the time. But everything he says is applicable to everything else he teaches. So when he says repent, he's not just talking about those people then. He's talking about like you in your life now, right? If If you're a 40 year old, man and you've just found this story and you've just found this like he's talking to you too like okay you've made mistakes you've made bad choices that's okay yeah right i just think he would not have spent you know and i don't know if we're going to get this in mark or not i can't remember but you know he spent so much time talking about individual relationships, behaviors within relationships of, you know, just individual people. Right. He's not always talking. It doesn't feel, unless it's like totally personified, like where everything he said is always a metaphor for the, for the, the tribe of Israel, you know, right. unless it's that, I, mean, I just don't, I mean, it doesn't, that doesn't feel, well, you know, that's I'm, what, isn't I'm, that, I'm, I, we talked about this is, I mean, I, that's Luke, right? Isn't Luke, isn't he the one who sort of, isn't Luke the book that really approaches this thing from a non-Jewish perspective, yes. like trying yes. to approach yeah. it from a different perspective. And I think, and Luke, yeah. you know, Luke copies a lot of what Mark writes. So I sure. think, I think you're right. I think it's, I think what's really interesting about Jesus when he talks, he is talking to the people right in front of him. Yeah. But the things that he says are, you know, they're, yeah, they're meant for, a, yeah, they're yeah. meant for a broader audience. They're not yeah. meant just for those people. Yeah. Right. It just seems like, yeah, it just really feels like he is. Yeah. Yeah. That he's like, golly, I do this on all of our podcasts where I just like start up <laughs> trail off because I don't know what else to say. I'm so horrible talking. I don't know. Man, I tell you what, I love this book. I mean, I just, I just really do. So you do know, you want to try to get a little further in? No. I think, wait, so what Stop do you... Stop there. Because it's almost, yeah, it's almost, now. I got to go here. So we're ready for the good news? Yeah, and so then we'll be, we'll do... <laughs> We'll get started with one. To, I mean, does this does this bother you? Is this going to be all no, right? No, no, no. It's fine. I think I think what's really interesting about this start to me is kind of what we we've, we've talked about this, but it's this like very straight dive in, mm-hmm. you know. And I think it is very interesting. And you're right. I think what's those first words of his are obviously purposely picked out and are very important. Yeah, at least they are to the author of this gospel. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think, I think you're right, though, too. I think no matter who the person is, the very first thing you're asked to do is repent. Yeah. Right. And so that's a, that's a tough thing. I mean, it's interesting, right? Because right off the bat, before you're asked to do anything else or even hear anything else, you're asked to do something that humans find incredibly difficult to do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Even if you lift it out of the, of the sort of like drama of evil and divine, if you lift it out of that, it's interesting to think, like, let's just talk about like, if you're managing your personal schedule, you know, and like, like the tendency is, is to get overbooked, right? right. And then yeah, sure. have to apologize and back out of something. Right. 
Jesus basically says, no, no, no. Carve out time in your schedule before signing up to the next thing. Right. Yeah, no, you're right. It's like, yeah. you know, get rid of three things to make room for this next thing. And maybe it's, you know, and some people would say it's not even carve out three things. It's like drop all of it. Leave, you know, that's it. Clear, clear the decks because this is going to be your right. whole thing. Well, the other question too is, do you have to repent before you can believe? Yeah. Because one of the, you know, he says repent and believe in the good news. So is, can you believe without repenting? Probably not. Right. Right? Or can you you believe without repenting, you know? Right. Either direction, you know? Right. Can you repent without, that's a great question. Can you repent without believing or can you believe without repenting? Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting, but yeah, it's, it's a very interesting start. I have yeah. to say, uh, one of the things I was, I think it was actually a YouTube video. It was a professor at Yale or somewhere. Anyhow, they were talking about Mark in terms of a historical document. And mm-hmm. one of the things they said I thought was really interesting, which is this idea that the idea of a gospel yeah. did not exist until Mark was written. Right, right, right. There's right. no evidence that it existed beforehand. And yeah in any kind of religion anywhere ever like this is a brand new way of approaching things yeah and i think it's really interesting how he starts it right like mm-hmm. we're, that this is kind of the quintessential start to a gospel that we say here's the prophecy here's what's happened up to this mm-hmm. point and now we're ready to go like you've mm-hmm. got to believe and we're going to jump in and we're going to we're going to move forward with this and i think mm-hmm. mark is telling his readers this too right like as the reader you need to repent and get ready for the good news because we're going to roll from here we're rolling you're going to you're going to see the good the bad everything yeah and then you're going to be left at the end with a a a mystery so yeah with a big mystery yeah that's right but it's brilliant writing i mean (laughs) if you just look at it from a writing perspective it's 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 genius so yeah God's a good yeah. writer. So, <laughs> <laughs> who knew? All right. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> Bye. Bye. That was fun. Yeah.